This is the Hoosier Act Today Thursday morning podcast on the 30th of November 2023. I'm Andy Eubank and the Hat Podcast is brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust. Experience banking built on heart, grit, and agriculture. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. Eric Pfeiffer and Sabrina Halverson on the news today, including the U.S. losing a dairy challenge at the USMCA dispute panel and a senator's call for retaliation. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin has the forecast warmer today, but rain too. And wheat markets were strong yesterday. We'll have Arlen Suderman analysis coming up on the Hoosier Ag Today Thursday podcast. At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we know that when agriculture thrives, we all do. It's the heart and grit of our agricultural communities that keep the crops coming in and the livestock cared for day and night. That's why we build financial solutions around the needs and schedules of our ag clients. If you're looking for a financial partner that has over 135 years experience in understanding and supporting agriculture, we want to hear from you. Let's harvest success together. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. Making agriculture your life's work comes with challenges that can leave you feeling alone. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. And when you're a member of ACI, you have agribusiness advocates in your corner, similar agribusiness members to network with, and opportunities for continued education. If your business serves Indiana agriculture, we need your perspective and hope you'll become a member of ACI. Visit inagribiz.org. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. What's the path forward after the U.S. loses its dispute with Canada on dairy? I'm Eric Pfeiffer. This is Hoosier Ag Today. The U.S. has lost its challenge against Canadian dairy trade practices as part of the USMCA, but there may be more ahead. Our Sabrina Halverson reports. U.S. dairy organizations, along with elected officials and ag leaders, are expressing disappointment over Friday's decision by the USMCA dispute panel in a challenge against Canada's dairy trade quotas. The U.S. charged that the quotas don't line up with the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. Last year, a USMCA panel ruled with the U.S. However, Executive Vice President for Policy Development and Strategy for the National Milk Producers Federation and the U.S. Dairy Export Council, Jaime Castaneda, says that case did not solve the problem. The problem was that the first case didn't go far enough to basically argue that Canada had to actually truly open their market and allow for a number of different players in Canada to be able to actually input, like retailers, food distributors, restaurants, uh, pizza chains, and so on. He says those users should have automatically been included, but since they were not specifically named, Canada excluded them, and that's what the U.S. challenged this year. Castaneda says despite this year's decision going to Canada, there may be other steps the U.S. can take. Well, there is, there is a, a, a number of different options, and I would say that I actually not, I'm not in, in the position right now because it, it would be something that will require a lot of conversations with the U.S. government and, and lawyers and so on, so, and members of Congress uh, to, to determine what, what the next steps are. But I, I can assure you that... Um, as soon as actually we know something, we can we can share with you and your audience. Uh, but we're going to be talking closely with the government. I'm Sabrina Halverson. All right, Sabrina, thanks. More on this now. Speaking of conversations with the U.S. government, there's at least one senator who is calling for the U.S. to retaliate against Canada. 
following the USMCA dispute panel decision. This decision is a huge loss for American farmers. That's Iowa Republican Chuck Grassley who says that opening Canada's restrictive dairy market to more U.S. products was a key reason for negotiating USMCA. And I think we had 89 senators vote for the USMCA, and it was because of its potential to expand dairy market access to Canada. And it's disappointing the Biden administration could not do more during the dispute panel to show how these quotas harm our farmers and in violation of the USMCA. But now that the U.S. has lost its fight over Canada's tariff rate quota system that unfairly favors Canadian producers, Grassley was asked if USMCA is worth the paper it's written on. Yes, but uh, it depends on whether the administration is willing to take counteraction against some product coming from Canada to show our dislike for it, and I don't know if they're willing to do that. At the American Farm Bureau, Senior Director of Government Affairs Dave Salmonson is not ready to give up on USMCA. The plus side is we have continued mostly tariff-free trade, and that trade continues on a daily basis. So that's the big plus. But along with trade, you get trade problems, and we've got this problem with dairy. Salmonson adds that USMCA has a built-in review mechanism that calls for a refresh in 2026, when he expects the U.S. dairy industry to again raise the Canadian quota issue. Meanwhile, there's another issue for a USMCA dispute panel to consider between the U.S. and Mexico. They could rule late next year on the U.S. case against Mexico's decree against GMO yellow corn which Salmonson says was put off while Mexico looks for alternatives. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. Let's face it, operating a farm isn't going to get any less expensive this year. That's why an operating loan from Farm Credit Mid-America is built to give you more cash back and more flexibility in how you are able to manage your funds. Learn more at fcma.com operating and get an operating loan that pays you back. Loan subject to credit approval. Additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Bit America is an equal opportunity lender. Warm air lifting up into the Hoosier State today, but the warm air is coming because rain is coming as well. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Act Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. Here's what's going on. We've got strong southwest flow here today, and that's giving us temperatures that are pushing to above normal levels. I, for one, We'll take it. That's fantastic, especially after how we started the week this week. In the warm air, we're going to be looking at a significant round of moisture trying to lift up out of the southern plains. That happens after midnight tonight through tomorrow. Rain enters the state and will give us anywhere from a quarter to one inch at least with coverage at 100% of Indiana. So it's going to be a soggy finish to the week on Friday tomorrow. Behind this system, which kicks out pretty quick by sunset tomorrow night, But behind it, we have a couple more waves of very minor moisture coming through, and honestly, a lot of clouds. I'm calling it an unsettled weather pattern for the weekend and through the first couple of days of next week. Cooler air is coming down in, so we're not going to be duplicating temperatures like we're seeing today. But we also have to keep an eye out for sprinkles and flurries, a little bit of a rain shower here, a little bit of flake action there. That's the kind of setup that we have through the weekend. Is it precipitation all day long, every day? Absolutely not. But I think we have to be ready for some minor precipitation from time to time, Saturday through next to Tuesday. And as cold air tries to take control, 
we have to allow for sloppy wet snowflakes. I don't think we're seeing big lake effect. That's not what I'm seeing this time around. It's not like we see very, very strong northwest winds. That's not happening at all. I want to fast forward then to after Tuesday. So the second half of next week, significant warming is on the way. I mean, this is going to be a monstrous push of warm air that comes across the country out of the plains and takes control here. Temperatures can be 15 to 20 degrees above normal easily as we move from late next week on into mid-December. And we are dry for most of that period as well. So very warm, very dry for Thursday, Friday, the following weekend. And the next week looks interesting to me because the warm air is there. It really wants to stay, I think, through mid-December. But I'm watching one singular system in the northern Rockies as we go into early next week. The track of that system, I think, will make or break how we stay warm or where we stay warm through the extended 11 to 16 day forecast window. That's a look at your forecast update. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin. Wheat futures strong, everything else in the grains and oil seeds just hanging on. This is Who's Your Ag Today. I'm Andy Eubank with the Wednesday Farm Market Review. I'll have settlements coming up, first market analysis. I checked in at the end of the trading session for that with Tom Fritz, EFG Group in Chicago. Tom, the Wednesday market's up. And in the case of corn and beans, back and forth, a mostly higher close anyway, but right near even throughout the trading session. The real story as far as significant movement, wheat, everywhere you look, Chicago wheat, up over a dime, Kansas City week, very strong. What's happening there? Number one, the markets, uh, you know, was pretty oversold. It was just a couple of days ago we were pumping out new contract lows. Then we started to hear about Russian wheat firming. Um, and you got to realize Russia, you know, they're ones who set the bar in the global wheat trade. And so, you know, if their prices are moving higher, uh, you know, everybody else has to follow suit. Uh, supposedly the story behind, uh, higher Russian wheat prices, I guess there's some pretty intense storms that have been happening in the Black Sea, uh, area that, uh, have impacted, uh, the loadout abilities of, uh, you know, the Russians. And so, um, you know, their five basis levels have been improving. Then, uh, overnight we see this, uh, story about, uh, Australian wheat getting blasted by storms, uh, reducing not only quantity, but quality. So, you know, you put all that together and, okay, it's basis for some short covering. Now, in the case of Kansas City, uh, the D's contract up 27 and March only up 16 and a half. That's deliveries, or I should say the anticipation of no deliveries. Uh, whereas uh, Minneapolis, it's just the opposite. Uh, D's is up two and a half, whereas March is uh, up 12 and a quarter. So, um, you know, we think that, uh, you know, few, if any, Kansas City wheat deliveries, a chunk of Minneapolis deliveries, and then you get Chicago. Well, the spreads really haven't been doing much in Chicago other than just staying wide. So, you know, the attitude is you will see some deliveries in Chicago wheat. Uh, but uh, the flat price, I think it's just all about short covering. Um, you know, call it uh, month end. Um you know, give the funds three days to cover some shorts, and uh, then we're going to look around at one another and say, okay, what's here to support the rally? Uh, corn market, uh, corn's trying to tell us, uh, March corn forward is trying to tell us it's gone low enough for now. But uh, we've got uh, first notice day uh, tomorrow that's been plaguing the December contract. In fact, uh, 
what is it, the D-Smart spread traded out to 27 and a quarter. Not sure I've ever seen spreads quite this wide in corn. Uh, when the spread earlier this week was at 20 cents, I was thinking you're going to see uh, corn deliveries like you've never seen before. But now I'm thinking we may not see that many corn deliveries because with the carry, settlement is 26 cents east to March. Who wants to give up that carry? So that may be, uh, we may have a surprise in store for us, lighter than expected uh, deliveries in corn. We're still going to see deliveries, but not as many as originally thought. And uh, But while at the same time, the flat price is trying to advertise it's gone low enough. But then again, like the wheat market, you're coming into month end. Corn market's grossly short. So, uh, you know, it's why not see some uh, month end position squaring? Uh, soybeans, uh, well, there's no deliveries against beans this month. And uh, you can see just fractional uh, improvements in the bean market, despite lower product markets. So that would suggest to me that, uh, you know, the people are in there uh, buying beans, selling products, uh, you know, doing the crush spread. Uh, but, you know, soybeans were caught up between what's going on in Brazil, our weather patterns really changing. Personally, I think they are. Okay, but they've got a dry bias this week. It was kind of wet last week. Uh, but then again, we've got some uh, good moisture uh, that we're looking at for next week. So in the case of Mato Grosso, where it's been hot and dry, the question is, Okay, we, we know that uh, planning has been delayed. Has it had that much impact on potential yield going forward? We know the crop's going to be delayed, but we don't know about potential yield. Yesterday, a private entity came out and said, well, we were at 165 million tons of Brazilian soybeans. Now we're at 155. Oh, okay. Decrease of 10 million tons. It's a, still a huge crop. So, um, you know, I think we're caught up in that regard that, uh, you know, is the weather pattern changing for Brazil, especially northern Brazil? Southern Brazil looks like it's going to stay wet, but I haven't seen any indications of uh, crop losses. You know, they talk about uh, some replants just like they have in the north, but uh, I haven't seen anyone address crop losses in the south due to excessive moisture. Um, Argentina uh, weather scenario, it's, uh, I think it's in pretty good shape. Argentina's uh, on their way to a decent-sized crop. Uh, so uh, bottom line is uh, if the Brazilian crop is delayed and the Argentine crop is just normal, uh, yeah, we're going to need to fill the void that's created from, uh, I'll call it January to mid-late February. Well, I think recent bean sales to China, we've already filled that void. Now we're just going to have to ask ourselves how, you know, what kind of yield loss have we seen? And if it's enough, that will create some new demand. Product markets, uh, soybean meal, which had been a, uh, a big time uh, leader to the upside. I think we're just seeing some uh, end of the month profit taking as well as, uh, you know, just get out before first notice day. Well, uh, personally, I don't think you're going to see any meal deliveries. Uh, so uh, I would think Dece meal comes roaring right back, and that's going to influence Jan meal. And, uh, you know, I think U.S. meal is going to stay relatively firm until we see new crop product coming out of South America. And that's 
what, not until, uh, you know, February for Brazil, Argentina closer to March. So we'll see how that goes. And soybean oil, uh, I don't know what to tell you about soybean oil. Um, you know, the uh, spread action is suggesting we're going to see some deliveries, but we've seen crude oil higher uh, the last two days in anticipation of OPEC plus uh, tomorrow's meeting. But, uh, you know, yesterday uh, soybean oil was sharply higher. Today it's given it back. I think that could be just, uh, you know, some delivery fears, some month-end position squaring. So going forward, uh, beans, it's going to be all about, you know, okay, what kind of handle do we have on the Brazilian crop? Uh, Next week, Conab, the Brazilian version of our USDA, will be out. People will be waiting with bated breath to see what Conab has to say uh, as far as their soybean crop and corn crop. Uh, Corn? It's trying to advertise it's gone low enough, but I don't see anything out there that's going to sustain a rally in corn until uh, South America has problems with their corn crop. And right now, Argentina's off to a pretty decent start. I don't think anybody cares about uh, the first season corn crop in Brazil. They all focus on second season corn crop, which is 75% of their uh, volume. And uh, well, second season corn crop, we're you know months away from that happening. So uh, I question the short covering. Yeah, I understand what it is, but I ask, well, how far can you take it? And right now, my answer is not very far. Analyst Tom Fritz out of Chicago at EFG Group. Now settlements from the Wednesday trading session, mixed in corn, but mostly higher. Front month December down a penny and three quarters at four forty nine and three quarters. Everything else up in March four seventy five and three quarters, a gain of two and a quarter. Up a half cent January beans thirteen forty seven. March up three quarters at thirteen sixty. 65 and a half, so about as flat as you can get there. December wheat up 12 and a quarter, leading the way 556. Meats higher too. February live cattle 173.47 up 65, and February lean hogs $70.10, gaining a dollar and seven cents. I'm Andy Eubank with the Wednesday review. This is Who's Your Ag Today, Indiana's most listened to farm radio network.